Hi, I'm Harry. I'll be reading from the book of John, chapter 18, verses 1 to 27. Feel free to follow along in your own Bible. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came into the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said, and Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, Put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officers arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple, where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest? he demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas the high priest. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? 
Again, Peter denied it, and at that moment, a rooster began to crow. This is the word of the Lord. Some of you may be aware that today is in fact Pentecost Sunday, when we remember the pouring out of the Spirit of God. And of course it is the same Spirit who helps us understand and believe that Christ is Lord. And so as we look at this passage, let's pray to God that his Spirit might help us do just that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word and your Spirit. We pray, Lord, that you will work in our hearts to help us see that Jesus is indeed the Lord, the man of God, the Son of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what type of man or woman are you? It's a big question, and I intended it to be a big question. Now, I'm not sure whether you're a bit like me, but we can often find out a bit more about what we're like by watching others. You see a bit of yourself in someone else. It's why I enjoy watching movies. You watch a good movie where there is wonderful character development and you get immersed into the storyline and sometimes you get to see a bit of yourself in the character. Now some movies I just don't like, like the high school musical. My kids love it, they've watched it all, but I see nothing in that. But in a movie like The Sound of Music, which I made my kids watch about two years ago as a family movie. It was just fun to watch their reaction. The boys, it was just like torture. Their singing and dancing they didn't make sense to them. It was almost as bad as watching Jane Eyre. But for Esther, watching her, her eyes were glistening. Now how many of you who have seen that movie and thought, well, I'm a bit like Maria. I see a bit of myself in her, strong-willed, but warm, free-spirited. Or maybe some of you might have thought, well, I'm a bit more like Captain Von Trapp, determined, firm, but yet romantic. Well, I thought I was a bit like that. But then sometimes you watch a movie and you see a character you don't like. Or they do something and you think, that's so silly, so wrong. But then what makes it worse is that you also see a bit of yourself in him or her. And it's like holding up a mirror. Well, as we come to this passage, one of the darkest and saddest nights in the whole of Scripture, and here not a movie, but the true story of Jesus and Peter on the night that was overcast with all that is wrong with this world, and as we read of them and what they did, I want you to reflect on that same question. What type of man or woman are you? And how much of yourself do you see in Jesus or Peter? Well, first, grab your Bibles. First, we consider Jesus, the man of God. Jesus has spent the night with his disciples and for the last few chapters, known as the Upper Room Discourse, he's been teaching them and praying for them. Now they've gone to the Kidron Valley, east of Jerusalem, a place we're told when Jesus would often meet with his disciples, perhaps a place of rest and refuge. And on this dark night, Judas does his dirty work. Look at verse 3. 
So Judas came to the grove, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. Now you have to try to picture what was happening. The word detachment of soldiers was not just a handful or a dozen soldiers, but referred to a tenth of a Roman legion, which meant there there, there were about 400 to 600 soldiers that night. This was no small matter what was happening that night. Hundreds of soldiers with torches and lanterns and weapons. Now picture the scene from The Beauty and the Beast, that movie, when the mob of men from the town all rallied together with pitchforks and swords ready to kill the beast. But here, hundreds of soldiers going out under the cover of darkness to arrest the man of God. And they did arrest him. But notice that this did not take Jesus by surprise at all. He knew that they were coming after him. Though he will be arrested, he was yet in complete control. Look at verses 4 to 5. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. Or more literally, Jesus said, I am. Now, where have you heard that language before? Or in the Gospel of John, we've already heard Jesus say, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth and the life. I am the true vine. But of course, it would be difficult to miss the overtone of God's own sacred name in the Old Testament, Yahweh. I am. I am who I am. And you just have to wonder whether that had anything to do with the soldiers drawing back and falling to the ground when Jesus said, I am. Was there then perhaps a brief disclosure of the divine majesty of Jesus? Perhaps we're not told. But here we meet the man of God, arrested yet in complete control. In fact, it was his purpose to be arrested. If it wasn't, he would have let Peter not only chop off the servant's ear, but also his head as well, but he didn't. Do you notice what Jesus said? This was the plan of God. This was his Father's will, that he might drink right down to the dregs of the cup of the Father, that is, the full holy wrath of God for humanity's sin and rebellion, to drink it all up. Look at verse 11. Jesus commanded Peter, Put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? And so he stood the man of God, the Son of God. And even if you don't yet believe in him, you have to admire his character. There is something that is excellent, praiseworthy in his single-minded focus of knowing and doing the will of God. He was arrested, but remained in every sense in complete control. Well, now the scene shifts. And we'll consider the scene when Jesus is standing before Annas, the high priest. He is interrogated, but yet if you pay attention, 
you'll see that it was in fact Jesus who was doing the interrogating for he exposes them. Annas wants to find out what he has been teaching, hoping to be able to corner him, to trap him into saying something wrong that, that will make him guilty of the capital punishment. But Jesus responds, there's no secret with him. He had nothing to hide. He's taught in a synagogue. He's taught publicly. Look at verse 20. I've spoken openly to the world. I always taught in a synagogue or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Jesus had nothing to hide. But instead he exposes them. If anyone had a hidden agenda, it wasn't Jesus. It was them. They were on some callous witch hunt just to get rid of him in, in a gross miscarriage of justice. And Jesus also exposes how blind they were. You see, the chief priests who represented their religion, Judaism, the covenant blessings, the receiving of the promises, all the prophets and forefathers, what they taught, he who represented all of that, failed to recognize the very God he claimed to worship. He failed to see, standing there right before him, was their Messiah, the one they've been waiting centuries for. And so, though Jesus was interrogated, it was Jesus who was interrogating them. He stood the man of God. And again, you have to admire his integrity. He stood up for the truth. Even when his life was on the line, he did not compromise on the truth nor swayed from the will of God. And I wonder whether, just reading this, some of us, just like in watching a movie, would like to think, well, maybe I can see a bit of myself in Jesus. And we give ourselves a pat on the shoulders. If I find myself in a similar situation, I'll be like him for sure. I wonder whether you'll be thinking that. But would you be so sure? Well, there were certainly Christians who did follow in the example of Jesus in the following centuries. Athanasius, for example, 4th century bishop. He was a towering figure in church history. He was exiled five times by four different Roman emperors. And when his colleague said to him, The world is against you, Athanasius. Do you know how he responded? He said, then it is Athanasius against the world. Or Martin Luther, 16th century reformer, when called to defend his faith and to recant before the Holy Roman Emperor, Luther responded, Here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God. And so maybe we like to see a bit of ourselves in Jesus, the man of God. But in this story, there is another man who is far more like us than Jesus, and that is Peter. It's very easy, you see, to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. You know, you watch any of those Marvel movies, the superhero movies, and it's very easy to think, well, that's me too. I'm the knight in shining armor. But if we were there on that darkest of nights, I suspect we wouldn't be too different to Peter or the other disciples. Peter here, on the night when Jesus, his friend, and his master was arrested, 
He was freed, but he was so lost. You see, when Jesus was arrested, look at verse 8. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. And so the disciples, they were freed. But Peter was so lost, so lost in his ways. And in an act of foolish courage, shall we say, he cut off the right ear of this priest's servant. And so we, he see a profound contrast. Jesus, who was arrested yet in complete control. Peter, who was freed yet in complete lack of control. Lost in his ways. He had hoped that Jesus might have been that militant king. But he was a lost man. And that became clearer when Jesus, while he was being interrogated on the inside, on the outside, when Peter was being questioned, interrogated, interrogated, how did he go? Well, Peter at this point, frazzled, afraid, ashamed, hiding. He's just cut off the right ear of the priest's servant. His master has been arrested. What type of man will he be? Remember, Peter was always the courageous ones, among, uh, courageous ones amongst the disciples, the, the leader amongst the disciples, the one who would even walk out from the boat onto the water, brave enough to do that, the one who would be the first to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the one who, said, who, who Jesus said will be the rock. What type of man will it be? Well, this is the point where it may, for many of us, feel a bit like looking into the mirror. He was interrogated and then exposed. The girl at the door asked Peter, look at verse 17. You are not one of his disciples, are you? Now, it wasn't like Peter was being questioned here by someone in authority, by a soldier or the priest or a high priest. We're told in another gospel it was a servant girl, the lowest in social standing at that time. And so he had no cause to fear. What's the worst that could have happened to him? Shamed a bit, maybe. Maybe thrown out. Maybe even arrested. But the soldiers at this point, they didn't care too much about him. And so he had no cause to fear. But fear he did. Fear of man instead of fear of God. And how did he respond? Verse 17 again, have a look. I am not. And when he was asked again later on, verse 25, I am not. Perhaps the three words or two words in the original that sat very heavy upon his heart for a very long time. But do you notice that contrast to what Jesus said? Jesus, who was so certain of his identity, unashamed of his place in the will of God, he said, I am. But here Peter denied his identity as a disciple of Jesus, ashamed of the one he once called Lord, said, I am not, just to save his own skin. One theologian, Bruce Milne, he puts it, So as Jesus testifies faithfully, Peter denies pathetically. Another theologian, Raymond Brown, highlights the contrast. Jesus stands up to the questioners and denies nothing. 
while Peter cows before his questioners and denies everything. So what type of man was he? Well, he was a man just like us. Are there times when you could have, but you didn't? You should have, but you were too ashamed. I could have mentioned that I was a Christian in my job interview, but it would have lowered my chances. Or I could have brought up the topic of going to church or watching the service online on Sundays, but it would have been too socially awkward. Or I could have owned and confessed that my purpose in life is to live and die for Christ, but I was too afraid of the funny looks. Do you see a bit of yourself in Peter? It was the darkest of nights, not just for Jesus, but for him. And after the rooster crowed, in the Gospel of Luke, we're told he went outside and wept bitterly. Now his failure there was not the final word. And we'll see that in the last chapter of John, which we'll come back to in a few weeks' time. But he stood a man just like us. Sometimes frazzled, often afraid, with things to hide, too secret to reveal, and more often than we like to admit, ashamed, sometimes even of Jesus our Lord. And so here we see the man of God. And we also see a man like us. And unlike watching any movie, this was real. And maybe like Peter, our hearts at this point perhaps feel exposed a bit as well. And so do you know what you need? Well, we need the man who is for us. You see, underlying this story, this narrative, not merely because it was just what happened in history, and not simply because it's a wonderful story to read. You see, underlying this story is the good news of the gospel, because he is the man who is for us, who stands in the place of men and women like us. And we have two clues in this passage. Do you see it? The first came from the lips of Jesus himself. And the second came from the lips of Caiaphas, the high priest. That The first, as Jesus was arrested, he made it clear to them, and he in fact made it clear to the world, I am the one you are looking for. I am the one you've been looking for. And if I am the one, then let these men go. Remember him saying that? being arrested himself and freeing his disciples is in a sense a depiction of his whole work of atonement. He takes the place of sinners. And that's certainly how Jesus understood it because that is the cup of the Father that he drinks to its very dregs, absorbing the guilt upon himself so that his disciples might go free. It is the gospel message in miniature. And the second came from the lips of Caiaphas, what Caiaphas said. Now, of course, he said those words with a cynical expediency. He just wanted Jesus to die, but he spoke better than he knew. And what did he say? Well, look at verse 14. It would be good if one man died for the people. One man dying instead of the many. One man 
dying in place of the many. One man dying in atonement for the many. And that he did. Only about 15 hours later, on a little hill outside Jerusalem on the Roman cross. And so when you place yourself next to Jesus and you see his character and what he did, what type of man or woman are you? Well, let me tell you. You're just like me. Broken, frazzled, sometimes afraid, often ashamed, many times a failure. A man or woman, like Peter, like the other disciples, a man who will one day come face to face, not interrogated by a servant girl, but by God himself. And there will be no hiding at that point. And therefore, you're the type of man or woman, just like me, a man who needs a saviour. And in this story, we see Jesus Christ, the man of God who is also the man for us. Bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a saviour. Guilty, helpless, lost were we. Blameless lamb of God was he. Sacrifice to set us free. Hallelujah. What a saviour. Amen.